evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and Roughneck Scars. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls of US, <laughs> not to the New York Red Bulls, the New York Red Bulls 2 of USL. Uh, whew, threw myself off in the intro. We're off <laughs> to a rip-roaring start. Joining me, as always, it's Joe Steen. Hello, Joe. How are you? Good. How are you, Joe? I'm doing very well. Uh, we are unfortunately without Bill or Anthony tonight, so I'm a little sad there. Uh, but I think that you are a good. Uh, um, what's the word that they that they use? Solve, solve. I think that's right. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> I have you around because those guys flake on me so often. I need uh, <laughs> I need something steady in my life, Joe. <laughs> yeah, it can't just be you all the time. It's yeah. got to be some. I already don't like to hear myself talk, so... Uh. <laughs> Aw, don't be too hard on yourself. See, I did that. I was fishing for a compliment. It worked. I, I'm, <laughs> I, try not to, I try not to be the guy that's always down about everything, because... There's I mean, enough there's of just, that. I try and find the positives and everything. I mean, there I know a lot of people hate that, but, you know, it is what it is. You are the anti-me, because I am told I am very negative <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Uh, yes. Well, we could talk about something positive. I didn't even mention what's on the show tonight. Uh, so I, I introduced you. We're going to do it out of order. We're going to talk about a uh, win over uh, the Ottawa Fury. I believe it's the first one they've ever gotten over the Fury. But it is. We'll, we'll go into yep. it. Okay, <clears throat> good. Um, a little bit of team news, some roster shuffling. Our ex-New York Red Bull 2 report. Tonight we've got David Goss, the voice of the New York Red Bulls 2, and a host, or one of the hosts of Extra Time Radio. Um, sadly, I, I did not bring up uh, Bobby Warshaw for all the uh, the New York Red Bulls fans who um, have a, a strong <laughs> dislike for Bobby. Uh, then we're going to preview the match this, well, tomorrow or today, if you're listening to this uh, <laughs> on Wednesday. I, I'm a chucklehead, I guess, uh, against the Indy 11, the Indy 11 or against Indy 11, which sounds better. I guess I guess. I would say Indy 11. Yeah, I'm going to drop the V. That sounds terrible. Uh, which uh, has a former New York Red Bull 2 player on there. Um, and we're going to talk playoffs and do a, a player highlight. Look, we're, you know, five minutes into the show, and I just finally got through all the things we're doing. It's a big show, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. You know, uh, you win some, you lose some. Let's talk about uh, some of the winning zone. New York Ripples 2 get a one nothing win over Ottawa. As mentioned, it is the first one against the Fury uh, since they uh, merged with the Montreal Impact, uh, or FC Montreal, as it were. Uh, a really nice match for the defense. I think everybody should be very happy with the way that the backline performed. A huge, huge performance out of Kevin Pollitt's uh, Hassan and Dom also looked very good. Uh, Giannis and Cutler, I thought, had strong games. You know, I, I don't think that you could be upset with anyone on the back line uh, against Ottawa. There was a couple of dicey moments there, uh, but Ottawa did enough to shoot themselves in the foot. And Evan Loro and, and the other defenders, I think, stepped up when needed. Loro, for his part, I thought was a great organizer on the night, which is something that we've been talking about the back line needing. Uh, for some time, so maybe he's finally ready to to truly assert himself and and take over the leadership back there. What do you think? 
Uh, I thought, yeah, I thought, he, I mean, he had a good game. I mean, he, you know, he made some good saves when they needed him to. And, I mean, the biggest thing that I could take away from this game is they got a shutout, which they hadn't had since May. Yeah. I don't care that they had squandered. Um, you know, I, they did squander a lot of opportunities in front of goal. I mean, you know, with um, Abong missing the penalty and, you know, a couple chances just falling by the wayside that I think they would put away on a normal day. But I really don't mind that because, as I, I even tweeted this after the game, that we all know this team can score. It's a matter of, you know, playing, you know, better on the defensive side, which they hadn't done in quite some time, that I really wanted to see. And, <clears throat> yeah, Ottawa doesn't really have the best attacking options. They really haven't scored a lot this year. But the fact that they were still able to come in, come back home, and get a shutout is huge for this team and the morale going forward. And don't forget, you know, even though Ottawa uh, doesn't necessarily have the best offense, they have really, really shut down this team uh, defensively this season. This is their first goal that they scored against the Fury uh, this year. It was a very, very important win. We've talked about how uh, teams like Ottawa and North Carolina are breathing down their neck and they need to create separation, and they finally did that. That that win puts them five points up on Ottawa. They've got a game in hand. North Carolina is another point behind them. Uh, obviously, they have two games in hand, but it, they would be level on, on points. So they're in a really nice spot now with that win. Um, Abang, you mentioned it, him missing the penalty kick. I feel so bad for that guy. He had a couple of great opportunities. It didn't work out for him. Uh, that penalty kick, if if anyone needs to take the blame for it, I will gladly step up. You know you know how I roll, Joe. I wrote out the goal tweet. Of course, he's going to score. I, knew, I wasn't there, but I knew, <laughs> I knew you had something to do with it. I wrote, out, I wrote out the goal tweet. I'm, I'm taking a video of him. I, I was like, oh, this is going to be his first goal for this team in two years. I'm going to capture this moment. Of course, it was a save. Uh, great job by Maxine Cripo. I talked about how the offense didn't do that great, but you got to give credit to Cripo, who I thought was absolutely fantastic on the night. A guy has a performance like that and his team loses, and it's I would say it's a sad thing. Uh, he did so well. Um, but, you know, Jared Stroud, right place, right time. He is... Uh, you know, Mr. Mr. Lucky. I don't know. There's got to be some kind of nickname for that. Uh, he's like Domino in Deadpool 2. He, his superpower <laughs> is luck in terms of where he's positioned. Uh, you know, you talk about the face goal. This one uh, is kind of a deflection to him as he's running into the box. It, it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. He's, he, he does what he needs to do. He was able to take that ball in stride and finish. And uh, Red Bulls walk away with another home victory. Very nice. Being lucky isn't a superpower. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but Jar- uh, Jared's had a great – Jared's been great for them this year. I mean, from a, for a guy, you know, who was drafted and really didn't see time early on, he's been absolutely amazing down the, you know, down the stretch for them. Yeah. I mean, people people forget that besides, you know, the fact that he's, I think, still tied for the USL and assists, he can score goals, and he's been proven that he can do that all season. And he's done it with both feet, which, is, which has been more impressive to me because – I, I knew his left foot was really special, but his his right foot's not half bad either. Yeah, I fully agree. And uh, you know, it took a while for him to get going in the scoring department, uh, but once he did, the, the goals have just been, uh, I guess, all rolling his way. Let's talk man of the match. Who you got, Joe? Hmm. 
I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Kevin Pollitz. I thought he had a great game. Um, finally, I hope him and uh, Nadam had you know worked on stuff and training and stuff. And going forward, they're the part. They're the pair down the stretch, and hopefully they uh, help them get higher up in the standings towards the playoffs. Fully agree. Pollitz had a fantastic match. Um, we've seen flashes from him. Uh, but not a game as complete, I would say. And this was a great performance from the young player. And and hopefully it's a sign of things to come. I think, uh, at the very least, we could talk... Uh, that That's a perfect segue to talk about our next topic. Uh, today, the team announced Wahab Akwai uh, has mutually agreed to part ways with the New York Red Bulls, too. The center back really didn't make much of an impact in his uh, few appearances with the team. You know, part uh, in depth, uh, I think, issue with him and and uh, the learning curve for what it's like to be a center back in the New York Red Bulls uh, pool. It, it was a little bit too much. I think he's another one of those guys like like Pollitz. He had flashes, uh, but he was unable to, I think, really put a performance together uh, to justify staying here. And, you know, unfortunately, them's, uh, them's the breaks and, and he had to go. So the question becomes, uh, well, first, let me, let me know your thoughts on what you think about this move. I would say it's the right move. I mean, you know, he had the, he had the flashes, like, you know, in the, uh, the first half of the Cincinnati game. But he never really seemed to put it all together here, and I really just don't think he was a fit. Um, his positioning was off at times, and, you know, it, it just didn't seem like it was ever going to work out for him. I mean, I know they kept, you know, they kept throwing him in there to see, you know, if he could, you know, he could have been impressing training and could have, you know, possibly been. They, I think they were trying to look for anybody that could possibly work with Hassan back there, uh, but it, it didn't really work for him. So I'm, I'm, it really doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it is. I think what it is. Uh, the other part of this now then becomes. Who's going to be the pairing going forward? Is it Indom and Pollitz? Is it Indom and Escobar? Or is it Indom and Scarlet? Or is Indom not in the conversation? <laughs> I think he's he's done well. Uh, well, he hasn't done well lately, but the, his last game I thought was very good, but he had a couple of shaky performances there. And, uh, I mean, he's still got to prove his consistency, but I want to know, who do you think the backline pairing moving forward is? I think it's... Probably Hassan and Pollitz. Um, I think both of them are probably the best two available right now. I don't know if we're ever going to see Andrew Lombard. Uh, I don't know what the story is there. I think Scarlett's, you know, had his had his impre- impressive performances last year, but this year it's not really. He hasn't really found consistency. And Escobar, I mean, I don't know because he could still be up with the first team. I guess if they, you know, decide to loan him down, I would like to see him and uh, Hassan. Uh, but I, we don't know what the story is going to be with him. Yeah, very fair. I agree. Uh, I would, I would like to see it be Pollitz and Dom, and hopefully they can build on the performance that they had this past week. Okay, that brings us to everyone's favorite New York ex New York Red Bulls two report. Uh, Rafi Diaz and Sac Republic were off this weekend, so nothing to say there. No powder, Orange County SC. He came off the bench, played forty five minutes, and a one one draw with Seattle Sounders FC two. Dan Metzger did not play in Penn FC's 3-1 win over uh, intrastate rival Bethlehem Steel. Uh, Junior Fleming's Tampa Bay. Uh, he started, played 90 minutes in a 3-0 win over North Carolina FC and had two assists in the match. 
way to go, Junior. Tampa Bay uh, still looking to catch up. They're they're still a, a ways back, but right now they're only seven points out of a playoff spot. So maybe this uh, this is the turning point for them. Uh, Stefano Bonomo did not play. He is hurt. I don't know the extent of his injury. I uh, admittedly rushed my research for this tonight uh, as I'm getting ready for uh, my my surgery this week. Uh, Brandon Allen, uh, Nashville SC. He came off the bench in both of their matches this week. 11 minutes and a 4-0 win over Richmond and 10 minutes and a 1-0 loss to Charlotte. He did not score in either game. Uh, Corey Herzog in St. Louis FC. He started and played 63 minutes in a 1-1 draw with Seattle Sounders FC2 and did not play in a 1-0 loss to Portland Timbers 2. Kyle Rainish, Fresno FC. Started, played 90 minutes in a 1-1 draw. <laughs> I wrote with Fresno FC, but it was Reno 1868. Uh, Zach Carroll also played in that match. It was uh, 90 minutes for him as well. Uh, in that 1-1 draw. He did not play in Reno 1868's other match this week, a 2-1 win over Las Vegas Lights FC. Conrad Pleva. He did not play in uh, Real Monarch SLC's 1-0 loss to the Colorado Springs Switchbacks, but he did play. He started and played 90 minutes in a 2-1 loss uh, to San Antonio FC, but he scored the lone goal uh, for the Monarchs on the day. So way to go, Conrad. Speedy Williams, uh, Louisville City. Not a great week for them. He started, played 59 minutes in the 4-1 loss that we mentioned last week, but uh, now I actually know that he did play in that match. And uh, he started and played 90 minutes in a 2-2 draw with Charleston. Mike DeFonta and Phoenix Rising were off this weekend. Carl we met Indy 11, this week's opponent. Uh, he started, played 90 and 83 minutes uh, in their two matches this this past week, a 2-2 draw with Pittsburgh and a 1-1 draw with Richmond. Scott Thompson did not play for the Richmond Kickers in their 4-0 loss to Nashville. Overseas, Zico Lewis and HK Koopavarger, uh, he started and played 90 minutes in a 1-0 win over Njardvik. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's right. David Abadour and FC Haka. Uh, he started played 90 minutes in a 2-1 loss to EIF. He picked up a yellow card in that match. Tim Schmoll, not in the 18 for Dover Athletics. 1-1 draw with Ebbs Fleet United. Uh, Marius Obakop and FC Zimbru uh, Kizinau. Again, I cannot find good stats on that team. The Moldova national team is not doing a good job propagating uh, their game or match information. So I might have to remove him from the list because I, I can't get, find anything on what's happening there. <laughs> I'm trying. Uh, Aaron Basulovich and No Shipping's Bias. He started and played 90 minutes in a 3 nothing loss to Team Thorengruppen. What a great name is that, Thorengruppen. <laughs> it is normally uh, shortened to Team TGFF, but I had to say Thorengruppen. What a great name. And that is it for the ex-New York Red Bulls 2 report. When we come back, we're going to preview the... Oh, no, sorry. When we come back, we're going to (laughs) be talking to David Goss. Stick around. And we're 
back. We are joined now by the voice of the New York Red Bulls, too, and at the one of the hosts of Extra Time Radio, it's David Goss. How are you doing, Goss? I am so honored to be here. <laughs> I'm one of your biggest fans, and it's, I'm so glad I finally got the call. I, uh, I, We've been sleeping on you for too long, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> I've just always been in the back pocket. It's too easy. I make myself too easy. That's right. And then I just don't get the call. I honestly, I would blame Willie Whitelaw. He gets us these guests constantly, so we're, we're never running out. It's tough. There's there's a lot I blame Willie Whitelaw for. So, that can just go <laughs> so uh, let's let's get started at the beginning. How did you wind up in broadcasting? I know that uh, I kind of fell into it for one match with you, but what was the journey that you took to get there? Um. I think when I was like younger, obviously I was, you know, in love with sports and wanted to be around it, but wasn't that athletic. So I started trying to find like other ways to be involved and public speaking easy for me. It's something that was always comfortable. So it was an idea I had actually, my little league basketball coach is Mike Breen, um, the Knicks announcer and the NBA announcer in my town being just outside of New York city has a lot of sports broadcasters that live there now. Like, Marv Albert, so his son, Kenny, is from my town, things like that. So maybe I got an inkling from that. And then I started in college my sophomore year. I called a women's soccer game, did all of those, did a bunch of uh, men's soccer, uh, interned with the Celtics on their broadcast, and just kept working and working. And I find it very enjoyable, the games themselves. And as I've gotten older, I've gotten into I apologize, the BTV is very loud right now. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, I've gotten into the radio and podcast side of things. And that's fun because it's not just, you know, they're confined to the game. So I love calling games because you get the energy and the excitement. And while you can talk about so many topics around sports, it's nice sometimes to just focus on 90 minutes on winning and losing. And then the rest of the week, you get to talk big picture and legacies and trades and mistakes and all that. Um, so I enjoy it all over. And soccer has been a passion of mine since I was younger. My family's not really into it. I just got into it on my own. But... I love learning about different cultures and meeting people from different parts of the world. So soccer was a good in on that. And I also, since I've grown and learned about it, I love learning about coaching and tactics and philosophies. And, you know, a lot of it, as we all know, can get very, like, meta and big like that. And so I find that interesting as well. And I've been lucky in my role with MLS to learn a lot from a lot of different people, coaches, executives, things like that. And, uh, you know, being around this organization and kind of watching uh, how th- how the team is developing in terms of, of the young talent that has come through and, and sort of those legacy players that are sticking around and, and teaching the next generation like John Wolinek, you know, there's a lot, I think, that those guys can learn from these players. But not not just on the you know the the skill side and what it takes to be a professional, but specifically what it takes to be a professional in the United States and what a different environment that is uh, for for young guys coming up. Yeah, absolutely. And what I love is, you know, these guys, these kids, at times go on the road and they play, you know, at Charleston and at the time at Rochester, at Pittsburgh, and it's just two completely polar opposite situations of yeah. you know veteran players who are just trying to make a paycheck and grind it out, and young players who have these dreams that they're the next Messi. And, I mean, the Red Bulls, too, probably play, I'd say, the most dogmatic soccer in America right now. Probably mainly, especially because Vieira's gone now. But I don't think anyone in MLS, I don't think anyone across USL plays as dogmatic in their idea of soccer as New York Red Bulls, too. And so it's so fun to watch. And it's so fun because you know 
John Wolnack was on the other side most of his career and was yeah. just grinding and trying to find a place and trying to get some respect. And so it's fun to see him, you know, bring that to these young players, but also embolden them to feel like they can do whatever they want out on the field. Yeah. And that, that was actually even something that he mentioned to us was that, uh, you know, for there to be so little change around him and his role within the club uh, throughout his time here uh, is sort of foreign to the club because of uh, of the long history of just turmoil and turnover. Uh, so, you know, it's seeing the other side of that, I think is pretty cool right now. Uh, when you watch this team and, and you watch, I guess, maybe even other MLS B teams, you know, one of the things that I think that is sometimes lost on, on fans is when they have these games that are kind of out of control or crazy, uh, like the Charleston match or, or even um, uh, when they played Louisville a couple weeks ago, that getting the result is not necessarily tantamount to what's supposed to happen for these players. Although, obviously, being athletes, they really want that. But seeing them develop is, is really a different thing. And I think uh, it, it could be really difficult for American fans to kind of grasp that. Yeah, I agree. And when I first started with Red Bull Stew, I sat down with Wally a couple of times, spoke to him on the phone, and I would drill him with these fake scenarios of, you know, you're up one in the 83rd minute. Like, do you tell your players to go to the corner or do you want them to play dogmatic and learn how to play? Do you bring in that young player who's 17 that you want to get minutes, or do you fight for the result? Because learning how to win is also a skill, right? That's mm-hmm. not something you want to ignore because then you get players at MLS level who have a playoff game who are up one, and they don't really know how to hold the ball. They don't really know how to kill a game. And so I think that guy wants to chime in as well. <laughs> so you reach this point where, you know, where does it matter? And, he, and when I first asked him, he's like, everyone's wrong. I'd be like, that's a good question. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I think she's really developed in that way i also think going from five subs to three subs has really changed that because mm-hmm. it's changed the nature of the game it's become i don't want to say more realistic but you can't do i mean he used to bring on academy kids at right. center back in the <laughs> 88th minute like every game or zumana simpara for three minutes on a <laughs> <game>. <laughs> right he <laughs> doesn't really have that license anymore and so i think it's become a bit more realistic in those moments and they're being tested right now because everyone in the league knows they struggle in the air. They struggle direct. Mm-hmm. They struggle with size. And whenever they go up in a game now, teams are going to try and hit them with that. And so they can play however they want, but the way they have to defend, I think they're going to learn a lot about how to win in MLS, in USL, you know, North American style over the next month, month and a half. And I think that's going to be really good for this team. Let's talk a little bit about uh, specifically those defensive issues over the last couple of games. Obviously, the last time out, uh, they get a really important one nothing win where they, they probably could have won by a little bit more, but the offense wasn't quite clicking on the night. But defensively, getting that shutout and seeing them actually uh, lock a team down, I think, was really, really important. But during that kind of rough stretch where they were you know, just conceding goal after goal, what did you see that maybe was leading to that? Well, I, I think one of the issues is I think Hassan Endam's had a really good year, and I think he's really improved, which is big because there was a time last year where it felt like he was the same player. Mm-hmm. And you know he had the ability off the charts, but if there's never any upward growth, then you're never going to believe it'll come. He's improved a lot this year, but he falls asleep in key moments or he overextends in key moments. And Jordan Scarlett's been the biggest disappointment of the season. Oh, yeah. And so you haven't always had a solid partner for him he can't afford to fall asleep anymore. And when you look at a lot of these goals, it's when he gets pulled out wide. 
mm-hmm. and chases on a forward, that's when they've given up the goal. And so I think his individual mistake, and I don't totally fault him for it because he has to play perfect, and that's not easy. His individual mistakes have been a large part of it. And then the other thing is, there's a team with fullbacks that are basically wingers. Yeah. And so a lot of times, they're, they're out of position, they're up the field, and you know teams, are, teams know when they come against ripples that if they can break that press, they're going to counter against numbers. And that's what a lot of them are looking for. And so in open play, those have been the two issues. Otherwise, it's just being found in the ball inside. You know, teams just trying to play direct, use their size. And I was really surprised that Ottawa didn't go to Steven Dos Santos earlier yeah. because he's killed Red Bull 2 in the past. And he has the ability to kill them on the day. Um, and I was surprised they didn't go to him earlier. But I think that's the biggest weakness for the team. And what's surprising and I don't think is relevant is it's been a weakness for the MLS squad recently <laughs> as well as set pieces and balls in the yeah. air. I don't, I don't think it's philosophical. I don't think zonal, zone marking and not zone marking is the issue for the USL squad. I think mm-hmm. it's just personnel. I think it's experience. And at some point, it's just physicality. Yeah. Yeah, that is always a problem, I think, with this team is that, you know, a, a lot of these guys are playing in their first, you know, handful of pro matches, and they're learning what it's like to go up against players that are looking to just kind of gum up the works and, and play physically. Um, let's, oh, I'd like to add oh, yeah, one go ahead. little piece is Kostarev playing with the MLS squad yes. has changed the way that they control games. And I really like Chris Lima. I think yeah. Chris Lima is a guy who can stick around. If I'm, if we're talking in the realm of Red Bulls guys, I think he's a step better than Dan Metzger. I think he's cleaner on the ball. I think he has the ability to play maybe at a higher level. I don't think that Chiburia is there. And so when you lose Kafter, the game completely changes for them. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think that we, we've all been able to see that, too. And, yeah, Echevarria, is, I think he's done all right filling in there, but he's certainly not Christian, <laughs> and he doesn't yeah. bring those same kind of tools to the game. Let's turn our attention to those types of players, though, uh, that can make the jump to MLS. I want to know, who do you see as the next you know, guy who can maybe step up and surprise in, in his first kind of minutes with the first team? So, I'll admit, I didn't have Brian White on this list. So clearly, <laughs> there's something they're seeing that I'm not seeing. Right. Um, but I love Andrew Canari. And when I talk to you know people in the organization and people around the organization, especially when I was talking to Florian about these players, he was in agreement. Canari covers so much ground. And I don't think he's a natural number 10. Neither was Sean Davis, right? Mm-hmm. And Sean played that with the USL team and then moved up uh, back the field when he moved up a level. I think Tanari can do that. I also think Tanari can play out wide in the role that now, you know, below and Bezicourt have kind of left open that everyone's trying to fill in. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a bit more quality than Alex Wheel. Now, it's a physical step up, and I think that's a question mark for him, and I think one of the issues was he missed a large chunk of last season because he was finishing up school and so he wasn't in training every day, and so he wasn't getting minutes. But when I look at the arc of Bezicourt and Below's Red Bull 2 career, where they went from being good pieces to being the central force. And I look at how Tanari stepped into that this year. I just think he's a guy who's got a clean touch. So you can always find him. He can, he can play in tight spaces. He's extremely athletic, but he's not break open speed athletic. But he's a good player. And I think when you look at the Red Bull system, he would fit in perfectly as another piece with a little bit more quality than Alex Wheel. Okay, very fair. Um, David, this has been absolutely terrific. Uh, I'm going to subject you to the lightning round now. Uh, are you ready for that? 
sure. I just want you to know it seems like Brooklyn's also very ready for it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> okay. Can't find a quiet corner in this city. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, popcorn, yes or no? No. Yeah, good. Very good. <laughs> You've been listening a long time. Uh, Star I'm Wars? Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Marvel or DC? Marvel. Favorite team to play as in FIFA? Uh, Brazil. Uh, best uh, visitor stadium uh, that uh, the Red Bulls travel to in USL? Uh, ooh. Whoa, I was not anticipating that. Also, I don't play for the team, so I don't know that I can speak very well. I would say, well, no, that's not a team that they travel to. Huh, I was unprepared for this one. <laughs> can I say an MLS one? Uh, sure. BMO. Okay. Uh, and last but not least, I have to modify this one a little bit for you. Who is the yeah. least funny host of Extra Time Radio? Uh, Weepy. <laughs> no hesitation at all. I love it. No, it's an easy one. I mean, he's bad at this point, so he's bad joke. <laughs> I can relate Doyle's to that for sure. Depressing, depressingly funny. So it's a different sense of comedy. Fair, fair. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I just want to say I love covering this league and I love covering this team. And I listen all the time. You guys do a great job. I appreciate what you guys are doing. Thank you so much. And uh, we really appreciate what you do. When we come back, we're going to be previewing the match against the Indy 11. Stick around. And we're back. Now we're going to preview the match against Indy 11. Not the Indy 11. I've decided to drop the probably <laughs> rightly so. Uh, they are 11, 7, and 9 in uh, all competitions. Nope, that's not true. In USL this season with a plus 4 goal differential, they are 1, 0, oh, and 4 in their last five matches. Win uh, over TFC2, draws against Ottawa, Atlanta, Richmond, and Pittsburgh. They are 6, 4, and 4 at home, which is where the New York Red Bulls 2 will be meeting them. Their goal leaders are Jack McInerney. Jack Mack, he's got 9. Ayos with 4. And Suni Saad with 4. Uh, Ios is also the assist leader for the team with six assists, and Matthew Watson has four assists. Uh, Indy 11's not a bad team. Last time out uh, against the Red Bulls might be one of the matches they want to forget from this season. They lost 4-1 after going up uh, 1-0 early. Uh, but uh, between Vincent Bezicourt and Brian White uh, and Jared Stroud, for that matter, uh, the Red Bulls really turned the tables on them and uh, ran away with a, a really strong win. Brian White, by the way, is traveling with the team, if you want to believe uh, Instagram posts from various players. And it also seems like Andy Ivan is going to get some time in this match uh, out wide as, you know, Amando Moreno is still kind of working his way back into fitness. Uh, it could be really interesting. <clears throat> we could be talking about a team that's going to be starting with Brian White, uh, Anatole Abang, and Andy Ivan up top. <laughs> That's a, a maybe not one that I think most of us would have guessed for this team, but that could be a really interesting pairing. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it should be. I mean, you're going to see a lot of uh, unfamiliarity in this squad with some people. I mean, like, I don't think uh, a Bong and Ivan have played with each other yet. So, I mean, that could be something that they, it takes a little bit of getting used to. But, I mean, it's, it's interesting to see. I mean, especially with... Um, you know, the fact how well Abong's, uh, you know, played since he came back. And Ivan, I think, is still trying to find 
you know, what his role is in the first team. So, I mean, maybe this can help as, you know, a little bit of guidance, you know, coming down on RB2 and playing with the team. So, I mean, I'm excited to see what the prospects are. Uh, but in, uh, not taking nothing away from Indy 11, they haven't lost a match. And I believe it's, uh, I think it's eight games. They haven't lost a match. I will so, verify. Keep talking. Um, so... First game, first time, you know, they, these two teams met, uh, we saw what um, RB2's press did to them. It especially wore them down the second half, and that's how they started creating a lot of their chances. So I fully expect them to come out and try and do the same thing. Um, press them high. I think they made a lot of mistakes defensively. I remember them making a lot of mistakes defensively, too, um, where, you know, they missed clearances, bad passes out of the back, and RB2, you know, got on top of them. I think believe they went up a man they went up a man in that game too and then from there they basically saw it home but again we know what this team's problem is and that's be- and that's they cannot win games on the road yeah so. that has been a very big problem and one that uh john wolnick isn't really sure necessarily why that is you are correct by the way uh it was eight games their last loss was to tampa bay uh if you guys were, were watching, you know, uh, against Ottawa, I think you saw a lot of uh, good things for the, the defense, which we talked about, which is going to be super important on the road. But we also got to talk about the surface that they play on uh, in Indy, which is uh, at Lucas Oil Field. Uh, it is obviously not a soccer pitch. It is made for football. There are football lines all over. It'll be a flashback to uh, the, the Meadowlands days. And that could be tough for visiting teams. And I think it's not a huge advantage uh, for Indy 11, but it's certainly something to think about. However, uh, the Red Bulls also are playing on artificial uh, turf at home. So they have some experience with that. I don't think that's something that's necessarily going to be in their head. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. If if the Red Bulls start uh, Kevin Pollitz and Hassan and Dom in the middle of that defense. Uh, how do you how do you feel about that against a team with sort of quicker, more dynamic uh, attackers like Jack McInerney and Sunni Saad? It concerns me a little bit. Uh, the first, I believe the first game, it, um, simple long, I believe the first goal was simple long ball and got knocked down to Saad. And he, he it hit a great strike past lower into the net. But that does concern me because, I mean, Pollitz is still relatively... You know, he, you know, he's still kind of learning the, you know, he's, he's doing well. He's done well this year, but, you know, still some things he can improve on. And I think that's one of those things. So uh, I could see them trying to get, um, you know, try and play, you know, direct and then try and win that second ball. And then, or, you know, try and get wide against, you know, against the, them. And when they love to press forward with their fullbacks like Giannis and Cutler. So that's going to be a concern for me is how they deal with guys, you know, how they deal with, the counterattacks, which they've had a lot of trouble dealing with this year, and how they, um, you know, deal with the second ball, which Indy Eleven loves to play. Okay, let's get some predictions. Uh, obviously, I will start with you, Josteen. What do you got for this game? <sighs> I am gonna say the Red Bulls to finally get their first win on the road with a two-one win. Okay. I feel like every time we've got a road game, you're predicting this. Sooner or later, you're going to be right. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, think, I think Charleston was the only game I didn't predict them to win. 
Okay. But every other, but every other road game, I feel like they've, like again, they they've, they should have won a game by now on the road. They've been severely unlucky not to win a game. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think they've done well enough that they should have gotten results. They go to sleep for like a half second, and that has killed them this this year. If they are able to win. Uh, and some other chips kind of uh, fall in their favor, they will be able to hop over Indy 11 and Bethlehem Steel into fifth place uh, and create you know, additional sort of room uh, underneath them. They are level on uh, matches played with Indy 11, but they have two games in hand over Bethlehem. So keep an eye on that. We'll talk more about the playoffs in just a little bit. Uh, my prediction for the match, I don't think that they're going to win this one. Surprise, surprise. Uh, I think Indy 11, even though they're not great at home, I think that they're, they're very capable. Uh, so I'm going to call this a 1-1 one, one draw. I think that uh, Indy 11 is going to extend their uh, three state straight draws into a fourth and eight games unbeaten into nine. Okay, uh, let's talk about playoffs. You know, I touched on it a little bit now uh, with New York Red Bulls. I'm going to set the stage for you uh, for spots 8 through 11. Well, you know what? 8 through 13. We're going to expand this a little bit. Nashville, 26 matches played, 38 points. Ottawa, 28 matches played, 35 points. North Carolina, 26 matches, 34 points. Penn FC, 25 and 32 Charlotte 27 and 32 and Tampa Bay 26 and 31. We were talking about Tampa Bay last week as there's no chance they're going to make it, but they're really not that far out of playoff position. It's only seven points uh, and they're level on matches with Nashville, uh, uh, Ottawa at the biggest disadvantage here, having played the most matches of those teams listed. Uh, But, you know, some really interesting shuffling going around. Uh, we're going to very just quickly go win, lose, or draw for these next couple of matches, okay? North Carolina and Nashville. I'm going to say Nashville wins. I tend to agree with you. It is on the road, but I think Nashville is going to be able to take care of it. Ottawa FC is playing Toronto FC 2. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Ottawa wins, but I don't... Toronto FC 2 has kind of had some weird games where they... Uh, like the uh, like the Louisville game last week where they completely came out and beat the crap out of them, so I'm not sure. Toronto FC right now has more wins in the last five matches than the Charlotte Independents, Tampa Bay Rowdies, Richmond Kickers, and Atlanta United 2. Look out, USL. They're <laughs> going to turn it on super late. They're going to win all those matches and still not make the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> uh, we already did North Carolina. Penn FC... They are playing Atlanta United 2 at home. Hmm. I'm going to say they win. Impressive win by them against Bethlehem on Sunday, by the way. I um, agree. And I th- I don't think Atlanta is as good as Bethlehem. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 they're, they're a team I could see, you know, possibly sneak it in. But um, I know they're down. I know they're, you know, I think they're six points back. But they do have a game in hand on Nashville. So they could be three points back if they were to make that game count that's exactly right and uh at the very least getting up to that ninth spot uh could be crucial this weekend depending on what happens with north carolina and ottawa so it'd be very interesting to watch uh charlotte independence they are playing the richmond kickers at home 
At home, yeah, I'm going to say Charlotte wins this one. If it was on the road, Charlotte's just been – I mean, I don't know what's happened to them on the road this year. It's, <laughs> it's not It's not been pretty. Fair. Um, so I'm going to say they win because they're at home. And last but not least, Tampa Bay Rowdies traveling to Charleston. Mm, I'm going to say they get a draw out of that match. Okay. That won't necessarily be very helpful for them, but uh, it will keep them from sliding down. Okay, that's all of the matches in the playoff zone right now. Uh, only other thing I think uh, we should bring up from the standings is in the Western Conference, there are three teams all within striking distance of first place. Your favorite, Phoenix Rising. That's right. Uh, they, They're there. They are 4-1-0 oh, over their last five matches. Orange County SC is one point. Of, oh, sorry, I should say Phoenix Rising is at fifty points. Orange County SC is at fifty-one points. They are three, one, and one in their last five, and fifty-three points. And looking somewhat tenuous at fifty-three points, you've got Real Monarchs, who are two, three, and zero over the last uh, five matches, including two losses in a row to uh, Colorado, which I think was a big surprise for everybody, uh, and San Antonio FC, who just. Uh, been able to sneak above the line again uh, and are sitting in 8th place in the West. Who's going to win out in the West? Who's who's going to be able to come in first? It's going to be Phoenix Rising. I am a firm believer. Um, they've, I believe they actually added two more players on loan today um, or just recently if it wasn't today. I think you're right. Uh, so they're kind of loading up their squad for a, a playoff run. And I think I love the fact that they have more depth on the squad this, um, you know, since um, the transfer window ended. I mean, they've definitely brought in a good amount of players on loan. And I, I don't know. Like, I know they haven't had, like, that signature win that everybody's looking for this year or, you know, that big win. I know they beat, you know, they beat OCFC earlier in the season and they've, and then I think they lost to them and I think they also have a tie with them. But they don't have that signature win, but they seem to beat everybody else. But I think they're going to, I think, Come playoff time, they're going to be the team to beat. Okay, very, very interesting. Uh, we will have to see. I'm not sold on uh, Phoenix, like you mentioned. I'm waiting for them to beat one of the best teams. But as long as you're beating the teams that you're supposed to, you could still sneak your way up there. I like Orange County. I think uh, they went through a little bit of a rough spell, but I think they they could sneak in there and steal it, even though uh, they played the most games of the, the teams that we mentioned before. If... I believe if Phoenix wins to, tomorrow or today, if you're listening, uh, they go top of the league. No, oh, very, very nice. Um, okay, very quickly, I just want to say congratulations to a couple of USL players uh, who have gotten call-ups to their national teams. Uh, that's Maxime Cropeau, uh with Canada, uh, Joaquin Rivas, uh, he's with Tulsa. Uh, I should say the countries they're going to, too. Canada, Maxime Cropeau. Uh, El Salvador, Joaquin Rivas, Granada, Jamal Charles, he's with uh, the Monarchs, Guam, Shane Malcolm, and Dallas J. Dallas J, is he the one who just went to Phoenix? Am I crazy? You no. might be right. Yeah. No. Right. Uh, uh, New York Red Bulls 2 own Alan Giannis. He got called up to Guatemala to the full national team. Uh, Guinea Pa Canante. Oh, I said that name wrong. Canante? Canante. Pa Canante. <laughs> Cincinnati, uh, Jamaica has the most players. No, Trinidad and uh, Tobago. Uh, Kevin Lambert with Phoenix, Javon Watson uh, with Charlotte, and Omar 
Omar Gordon with San Antonio. Uh, Jordan, Jamie Siage for uh, OKC. Kenya, Stanley Okumo for the, the Monarchs. Puerto Rico, three players for Puerto Rico. Cody Lorendi, Jorge Rivera, and Matthew Sanchez. Sierra Leone, Michael Lahoud, uh, also with Cincinnati. He uh, He's a player that bounced around MLS, uh, but is doing very well for Cincinnati and USL. St. Kitts and Nevis, Atiba Harris, uh, Trinidad and Tobago. Kavan George with uh, Charlotte. Uh, Atuela Guerrera, Guerrera, ugh, Guerra, rather, with <laughs> Charleston. I'll keep saying it wrong. Am I saying it right? Am I saying it right? Uh, Atuela. Yeah. <laughs> At- Terrible. Uh, Naveel Hackshaw, also with Charleston, and Nathan Lewis with Indy. Uh, U.S. Virgin Islands, Aaron Dennis for Penn FC, and Zimbabwe, Lucky Kosada, uh, who's also with Penn FC. So congrats to all those players. Nice to see uh, USL players getting called to their national teams. I know it's not powerhouse teams, but still, these are guys still, who are standouts for their country. And that means that the, the talent pool in USL is expanding. But one thing that is not expanding uh, for USL players, and that's something that we need to talk about uh, based on an article that came out last week, is the level of pay. Uh, an article in The Athletic by Jeff Reuters. Uh, talking about a number of teams across the USL, New York Red Bulls 2 are mentioned in that, uh, who are not paying living wages for some of these players. Some players uh, working in the USL for $0, just getting housing, uh, not getting benefits. Uh, so players who are maybe joining this league and or thinking about joining this league and they have uh, children or pregnant wives, uh, that puts them under tremendous strain. And, you know, looking at that article, it seems very, very damning of the league as a whole and maybe even a rallying cry uh, to get a players union of some kind together and involved in, in these negotiations because the the league is expanding. Obviously, they, they talk about attendance going up. They've got their ESPN deal. A lot of things that are very reminiscent to what was happening uh, to MLS back in 2010. But one thing that they do not have... Uh, is a minimum salary in USL. That is unreal. Uh, I just want to know what your take is on any of this and and maybe uh, some ideas of what might help alleviate some of this for these young players. Well, the one thing that would help alleviate it is if they were to, you know, unionize, definitely. I mean, they could probably, you know, get some of the things. I mean, the fact that they don't have a minimum salary is kind of ridiculous. I mean, that, that to me, like... I mean, I, I get it. They're, you know, they're they're now probably. I, I mean, would you say they're probably the most successful D two soccer league in in probably or in like in the U.S.'s time here? I guess. Oh yes, not even close. Um, yes, but it, it just shows that you know, with success, with all the success that this league's had with attendance and everything, there's still a lot of problems going on that you know they need to address. With you know, again, not paying players. I mean. You should at least have, you know, if they're not getting paid, you know, a contract, they should have like some type of like signing bonus or something like that. I know that's how it works in the NFL or it works in Major League Baseball, that if they don't have a base salary, they still get a signing bonus or something like that. That to me, it's just weird that they don't, um, the, the fact they don't have a minimum salary is a really big problem for me. Yeah. Um, because that's just, I mean, that's just something that you see in every league. I mean, even if, you know, 
you know, even with like, you know, players coming up from the, you know, in minor league baseball, they have a minimum salary. I mean, it, it's just, it's very bizarre to me. And the whole Cincinnati thing with them signing, um, with, uh, with their signings. Fernando Adi. Yeah, with Adi and all, and that whole situation, the players should look at that and be like, well, these guys are getting all this money and because they're going to the MLS next year and we're not even getting paid, you know, lower, like, you know, an average salary. That's that that should really get them riled up uh, to me. At yeah. Least. And, you know, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago with Adi coming in and kind of a weird situation to begin with because he's getting paid money that doesn't exist yet for FC Cincinnati. Uh, which is something that other USL teams don't have any access to. Uh, but to then look at it then as uh, not only do these other teams not have access, but they cannot even pay the players that they have. That That's very, very troubling. And uh, as much as we love to watch USL and comment on these teams, I think that, that this, uh, this is something that absolutely needs to be paid uh, close attention to. And hopefully that there's a resolution in the near future. I, I recommend that if you for if you're for some reason you're listening to this podcast and you are not a New York Red Bulls two fan and you're just a <laughs> fan of USL in general, uh, keep a close eye on your team and maybe even hold them accountable uh, if if you hear about these kinds of stories. Uh, but you know they should be paying fair wages for for players. I understand that they are trying to make it. Uh, as uh, a D2 league and these players uh, are basically auditioning to move up from this league uh, but the salary structure right they 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 should be compensated for their time here uh, obviously it's a little bit different from the situation with the NCAA but not not tremendously different if teams are going to be able to benefit off of these players they should be compensated with more than just housing that's not okay. No. Give these guys healthcare, guys. Yes. Not cool. Okay. Uh, last but not least, we're going to sneak in a player highlight. We're going to go through this kind of quickly, Joe. So uh, okay. tonight we're going to talk about Alan Giannis. He's got uh, a number of games under his belt now. We've got a very good look at him. I just want to know uh, what what is uh, a quality of his that uh, should or, or that impresses you, I should say. Uh, I really like his positioning. I mean, I know it's been called in a question a couple times, but I think his positioning for the most part is uh, very good. And his um, his distribution out of the back, he gets the ball and looks to make the pass right away. Yeah, I agree with that. And I like uh, what he's done in terms of the ball at his feet. I think he's still a little bit timid to get too far up the pitch at times, uh, which you know, arguably has worked out okay for him. I'm, he's certainly not as fast as... Uh, as Nico, so for him to not wander too far upfield is not such a bad thing. Um, but I agree. I like his passing out of the back. What is something that he needs to improve on? Uh, I, I think you touched on it. I think him getting forward and joining the attack and serving as um, an outlet on the wing would be good for them. And I think part of that uh, is team chemistry. So he's just got to take the time and kind of build up and just be used to playing with these players. And that that's just something that will just take time and, and reps for him to get over. Uh, do you see him as someone who could be an MLS one day? Is it too early to tell? I think it's a little too early to tell. Um, I think the fact that, you know, he just joined, um, I think he's 
done a good job so far after he's joined. I think he's been a better alternative to what um, Devera was there. Uh, I think it's just too early to tell. Ilo, impressive performance last week, did make Team of the Week, so congrats to him on that. Um, I just want to see him keep going, for, uh, hopefully continue to uh, make progress. Yeah, I uh, fully agree. Um, okay, that brings us to the end of another episode of Raising Bulls. Uh, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at underscore Joe Goldstein. I am at jsteen15. And if you'd like to follow the show, and we hope you do, we are at underscore... Nope. What am I doing? I started the show poorly. <laughs> I'm ending the show poorly. I did good in the uh-huh. middle, I think. Uh, <laughs> we are at Raising Bull Cast. That's one bull, Raising Bull Cast. And of course, as we mentioned, that's on Twitter. You can also follow us at Facebook.com slash Raising Bulls. You can go to RaisingBulls.com where you can find all of our episodes. You, you can even send us questions there to questions at RaisingBulls.com. That's questions at RaisingBulls.com. Joe, where did I say they could send questions? Questions at RaisingBulls.com. Very, very good. You can find our show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, uh, maybe the moon. You can't disprove it right now, so uh, <laughs> don't at me. Uh, find us there. Rate us. Review us. It means everything. Please, please, please. Uh, your kind words will not go unheard. In fact, while I uh, talk about that for a minute... Let's let's just mosey on over to the iTunes store and see if we've got any reviews. It's been a while since we've looked. Uh, I can be hopeful for, for something for a while, right? Uh, I could be setting myself up for a big disappointment, but we're still going to wander over there and see if you guys have anything to say about us. Hopefully you do, and hopefully it's a nice thing. Oh, we've got four reviews up here. Ooh. I love this. Not nearly as inconsistent as the team they talk about. <laughs> Ouch. Damn. This show does a great job of covering the Red Bulls team in USL. Keep it up. Love this podcast for helping me stay up to date with what's going on with the Red Bulls since I moved away from New Jersey. Great. Love the hosts. And uh, this one from 2017. I may have read this before. I may have read that last one before. If you're a Red Bull, USL, or MLS fan, this is a good listen about up and comers so there you go we got a couple of nice reviews uh thank you guys uh all of you you know who you are <laughs> thank you so much for for saying nice things about us uh hashtag merced in i've been changing it we're working on his image anthony is going to become it's going to be a face turn for him uh it's it's time to get him out of the the heel I don't know if Anthony could ever become a complete face. Tweener, I, he, he can work the tweener role. I mean, they they said that about a number of of wrestlers in the past. I think, I think he's going to do it. All right, all right. I, I'm on board with it. I'm on board. I've been told I'm responsible for for some of the hate that Anthony receives, so I'm going to do my part <laughs> uh, to fix that. <laughs> you can find us at bgn.fm that's the beautiful game network they've got great shows like mongols the usl show uh unused substitute st louis soccer report the pittsburgh scholastic soccer show uh, st louis soccer report back chat and tornado alley and so much more they've also got uh, a, a treasure trove of written content now from a number of talented writers uh, on their blog so head over there and take a look 
And last but not least, we want to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. That's it for today, guys. Uh, For myself, Joe Steen, and David Goss, thank you very much, and have a good night. (laughs) 